Hello and welcome to the Navy Blue Corner. I'm Ian and joining me this week to review the GWS game. It's a very, very special guest. I actually feel bad for him because I feel like every time I ask him onto the podcast, we lose and we're having to talk about a loss. But look, he's been the most frequent guest here on the Navy Blue Corner podcast. He's got one of the best football minds in the game. You'll know him from his frequent appearances on the Blue, Blue Abroad. And mate, he's recently been breaking news, particularly around Carlton's off-field wheeling and dealings, particularly in Ireland. You know him as Pommy in Oz. Dan, Pommy, thanks for joining me this week. I only come on for the intros. The intros are pretty good. Um, so, yeah. Um, no, mate, pleasure to be here. And I think that says a lot about our club, doesn't it? That I've been the most frequent guest dealing with losses. And mm. I'm amazing. Percentage. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm amazing. I picked the week that were good when we were bad. That, 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 <laughs> that, that, that was consistent. I can't wait to do this with you, Ian, though. Oh, it's very, very on brands. And yeah, we may as well keep the tradition going at this stage because I feel like in the losses, particularly this week, this is where I need to hear from you. You've, you've got such a great mind around it and such a great mentality, which is a big piece of this game and a big topic. But unfortunately, the Blues suffered their first loss in what feels like ages, feels like forever to end... You know, the nine-game win streak, which was something something very special at the hands of the Giants. Many pretty frustrated with the loss out of it. Um, with how we've played and and actually with basically the performance and then worrying about, will this hurt our momentum going into finals? We didn't have much on the line really in this contest. What were your kind of thoughts on the performance and what can you kind of really even take away from this loss? Well, I mean, it's never good to lose. I'll get that out of the way. But, I mean, I, I think it was obvious to even Helen Keller that by about 10 minutes into the third, the boys not only mm. put the cue in the rack, they'd started dismantling the table as well. <laughs> uh, the, the balls were on gum tree. Do you know what I mean? It was literally, it was done and dusted. And quite rightly so. I mean, I think the biggest stat that proves that right is two guys that are going at nearly 60%. Um, contested possession rate this year in George Hewitt and Nick Newman, who mm. George Hewitt registered career lowest contested possession rate at 13%. And Nick Newman, his second game, lowest game at 16%, which were both at 40% in the first half. Like Voss got them out of the way. Like mm. Hewitt was on the wing at one stage. And Nick Newman, like, just started dancing around as a back pocket, running away from the contest, which is the opposite of him. So, Obviously, that to me, that made me happy. I, I don't like losing. I was quite relaxed watching it. That said to me that we're a good mm. team. Like, like usually, round 23, we're either in a position we're hoping people lose or we're checking out what pick four is in the national draft. We actually were in a position now, like some good clubs, to say, okay, this game's going to be a real tough game to win. Akers is injured. Saad has gone down mm. to the rooms. Pull back. We've got a big game in 10 days. Make sure we're good for that. And you know what? You don't like losing, but end of the day, like if you'd lost four players and we effectively lost the elimination final from trying to beat GWS in a nothing game, mm. people would be sacking Voss more than they are now, even though we've lost to GWS. Like, geez, it's a tough yeah. game. It's a tough game mm. being a Carlton fan. 
No, it's a great point, and it's funny. When you started talking then, I almost wrote in the intro, the big intros that you're bigging up at the start of this, that you've just got the greatest obscure analogies of all time that always make me laugh, and you just started straight away with that, so I probably should have added that into the intro. I'll make sure to add that for next time. But, no, it was it was such an odd game because the feeling going into it as a fan, I don't know how everyone else felt, but it was very much – I weirdly – you want to win every game, but do I want to win this one? Because you, you, you're, watching, you're looking at the ladder predictor and it's almost who, we, who are we playing in finals? Is it better for us to lose and play a certain team or, or win and play a different team? We knew what was going to happen. We knew we had the home final. And sometimes it's just really hard to get up and, and have that mentality to just win the game, knowing there's nothing to play for. And I kind of agree with you, knowing potential injuries in this game. Akers obviously goes off. There was a moment where, where Saad, it looked like he was potentially hurt, limping at halftime, sitting on the ground. You had Weeders went off, getting his, his fingers taped up at one stage. You do start to wonder and worry, oh, no, if we're going to go 110% and burn ourselves out again after this big win run of, of nine games in a row where we've had to give every single part of us to get those wins, to clinch finals, What's that cost going to be? And it's not maybe great to have that mentality into the game, but I don't think you can really begrudge them. And it was disappointing to lose. It's annoying to maybe not go in with complete momentum of winning another game, 10 wins in a row. That would have been amazing. It sours the last game before finals a little bit, but at the end of the day, we've made finals. It doesn't matter. I'm sure we're not going to be seeing that kind of performance first elimination final against the Swans. Yeah, I mean, the momentum's an interesting one because, I mean, to me, it depends on the perspective that you look at momentum. So if you're a short-term thinker, our momentum is one loss out of one. Mm. But if you're a short-term thinker, that's four out of five. A mid-term thinker, it's nine out of ten. Do you know what I mean? All you've got to do, though, is just think of this. What is the likelihood of winning 14 in a row for a flag? Versus yeah. the likelihood of winning four in a row. I'll give you a clue. Every man and his dog has won three in a row to win a flag. So then the other 50% has won four in a row. Mm. Carlton now have to do what every flag winner has done. Four games, four wins, flag time. Mm. So it's it's real simple things. And I think the momentum's good. And I mean, if you don't believe me, it's nothing to worry about. Voss was pretty much asleep in the press conference. Like, I, I thought Voss halfway through was going to pull out a cigar. Like, <laughs> like he, he didn't look concerned. So for me, I think it was a good little lesson. Um, mm. And I think for the boys, it was a bit of a reality check of maybe just seeing what it's like as well to be on the mm. other end. And I think it might have just reminded them a little bit that next week is, is big. Mm. This week's not. Yeah, and I don't think you need a loss to learn certain things in that sense. But sometimes maybe you do need a little bit of a slight reality check before we do play finals because obviously the massive win streak and everything we've been able to achieve with it. But is is this a maybe slight positive in now though the boys know that if they're not 100%, if they don't give every single thing, if, if the cog, if the machine, the whole machine, the whole system isn't functioning as one. You're not 100%. This is what happens. Do you think that that 
is potentially a positive learning that can come from this, just the awareness of, well, okay, this is 100% what happens when we're not at our best. Yeah, I mean, I mean the second and th- I mean the third and fourth quarter, they will have learned absolutely nothing about it because it was a total different game plan. Like they almost kicked a handballed one to one, which is you, you're going back to David Teague era of that, where Voss likes to be like 1.7, 1.8. So they were really trying to play cozy football. I think what it does show them though is how their game plan is so important, how mm. taking contact can beat the best. There's been a lot being made out of, and I don't get what's going on in the AFL, particularly Carlton fans. Evidently, we're now GWS reserves and everyone is blowing smoke up Kingsley's ass and saying he's a genius and GWS are redefining the world because they're number one in turnover game for five weeks. And that start has been massively, but people are not talking about that contested and stoppage possessions Every flag winner of the last 30 years has ranked top five in that. Mm. Carlton lead them facets. So, and you're talking three and a bit goals from turnover, which Carlton ironically generated more turnover opportunities in the last five weeks. They just haven't converted them. So we know it's there. I think for me, you're going to see a very different side. I think you're going to see Carlton in finals. I would say everything to play for, we're the best side in the league. Mm. And historically, even when we're shit in a knockout scenario, how often when Carlton were rubbish, when you start to lose faith and you start to sharpen the knives, do Carlton pull a rabbit out of their backside? Mm. That is, Carlton are the master's magicians. When you think it's about time to close the shop, they win when they don't deserve to or they shouldn't do, and you don't expect them. They're they're built for finals. Mm. These boys are going to go in saying, this is just another Brisbane when David Teague was appointed game. This is just another one of them games. No one expects us to do anything. We'll do it. And I'll tell you now, speaking to people in the industry at other clubs, all of them I've spoken to don't want to play us. That We're the one team. It's not GWS. Mm-hmm. They don't want to play us because our brand, turnover isn't finals football. Football in finals is rugged. It's intense. It's tough. And Carlton, we're the masters of rugged, intense, mm-hmm. tough football. I'll guarantee you right now on this show, flags ours. Don't worry about it. 17 <laughs> this year. Sydney ain't got a scoop. I'm got a prayer against us. Mm. No, I absolutely love it. And I'm very happy that you touched on the stoppage and the turnover scores because that is something I want to dive and delve into quite deeply later on this podcast as well. It's like you've, you've filled into Lockie's role perfectly where I don't give anyone the uh the run sheet it's very secret it's one of the most top secret things in the world i think i don't hand this out to many people but somehow you've managed to just stumble across it perfectly um but i do agree with you with the other point you raised where you've got to give these boys something you've got to show some faith in them because yeah every single time we've almost needed to win since we've turned this form around we've done it nine in a row when there was something on the line so finally something not on the line you can't begrudge them for the loss. But based off this, we've kind of lauded the boys quite a lot through this run for their resilience and the mentality, I think, shown to win these crucial games. Is it an issue at all for you that we weren't maybe able to perform and win with seemingly nothing on the line? It's, it's obviously a difficult thing to accomplish, especially given, I guess, the mental and physical toll this nine-game run has taken on us and, and the whole squad. But... I guess not maybe being able to go above and beyond and show that we're 
guess, you can ask, you can ponder the mentality monsters tagline because we and 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 cost GWS finals as well in the process, not being able to really win when there's nothing on the line. Does that put any doubt at all into you that this team can't go all the way? I know you just said we, we're probably going to win the flag anyway, so maybe it doesn't, but is there any doubt at all that we haven't added this facet onto our game, win when you maybe don't need to? I heard that on the radio today, actually, and I nearly crashed the car because I was like, <laughs> this might be the single stupidest thing I've heard. Um, them saying Calton need to have an intrinsic motivation to win. Tell you what, they're not going to play a game for the rest of the year that has nothing on the line. They're going to be playing mm. in front of 95,000 people with a chance for 17 flags, with a chance to write all the wrongs and the questions. Of course, it's going to be tough. And for me, anyone who's saying, it's, it, oh, you should be focused on winning, has never played sport in a mm. round-robin system. If you've already qualified, you're just focused about the next round. Mm. If there's an element of risk to you getting injured, you don't want it. You want to be in when it matters. You Like, imagine if you're someone like Charlie Kern and you're going for a 50-50 and you, heaven forbid you do your patella again. You're not play, you might not play football again, let alone finals. This is the last chance for a lot of these players to live the dream. So tell you what, there'll be no I will say this now. People talk about the stats, the turnover thing, and the turnover one, I can't wait to come on to it because it's turnover differential. It's about as important a start as what I had for dinner last night. But at the end of the day, these boys, there is no side. If there was a stat mm. for who wants it more, Carlton are number one. Because mm. you've got Patrick Cripps who's had to listen to articles for the last two years that he's never playing a final. You've got you've got players like Harry Mackay who's had to go through four weeks of Carlton and better without him, and we've wasted money and he should be traded. You've got TDK who's been told he should have gone to Geelong. You've got Paddy Dow who at the start of the year was told he wasn't good enough to play football. Fisher who was delisted by many people, including me, as trade bait. Do you know what I mean? There's so many players here who have yeah. got something to actually redeem themselves and prove they belong like they know they do. So tell you what, I would not want to play us. If I was Sydney, Collingwood, the one team I wouldn't want in the 80s, us. The rest, I could do. But they, us, we're playing for something that's way yeah. more than all the other clubs. No, I 100% agree with you. Had to ask the question because I know it's been something that's been spoken about a lot and I wanted to hear your opinion on it because I just knew that it was going to be nice and in-depth. There was going to be an intelligent discussion around it. And I think just on top of it, you're talking about a team that had to be perfect to even make finals in the first place. We had to win nine in a row just to qualify, which is a ridiculous feat. And just what that does to you mentally, physically to get there and being undermanned. We had so many injuries, so many players having to, play multiple roles and put blokes on their shoulders to get there, even though it was a massive collective effort to do it. It's almost like at what stage you take away the weight off the shoulders. We finally achieved finals as well. At what stage can a team simply just be like, oh, I just don't have those extra couple percents to be motivated to an extent or, or push myself to keep going. And I think the only thing that was maybe the, the frustrating part of it not necessarily the loss, but I was probably just hoping to see a little bit more from those fringe players that were, I guess, fighting for a spot 
in finals. There's so many that are pretty much nailed on. You know they're going to play against Sydney, but there's, I guess, five or six players that some came in for this game. Some have been there like a fisher that have come in and, and sort of stamped their authority on the team. But their spot in this team is still up for debate, still up for questioning. And I was maybe a bit more disappointed in those guys that I maybe didn't see the fight and, and hunger for that spot knowing they still had a bit to prove, but it's so hard when the full collective isn't there. You know, from the nine-game win streak, just how important it is for every single player to be on, every single person to buy into the system. As soon as a couple of guys go, yeah, look, I maybe don't need to chase Cornelio 100% here. Like, does it really matter? I might do my hamstring if I do. Let's just get to the final siren and, and worry about Sydney. Mate, spot on. I mean, at the, at the end of the day, for a lot of these players as well, and for Voss as well, he's had to go through the year changing a team because someone mm. was injured. A couple of weeks ago, it was the first time Carlton had yeah. named an identical team. What was it, for four years? So, yeah, do you know what I mean? Which Something is ridiculous. Stupid. An unforced team, they finally could do it. At the end of the day, I think the operation number one for Voss, if you'd asked him at GWS... I would have said it would have been win would have been about eighth on the priority. Once he knew mm. fifth was guaranteed, it would have been he played Walsh and Chera almost exclusively on the ball, which we haven't seen, which was mm. basically like a pre preseason for them. He would have just been get the minutes into the legs, get these players getting the feel. You had Jack Martin and Brody Kemp playing centre half forward and full forward for portions with Harry Mackay on the wing so they could get in touches of the pill. Like, you could see that Voss was doing what a good coach would do. Let's prep mm. these boys, get them in a little bit of a zone for 10 days' time. And I'll tell you what, the boys will be pumped to play in finals. And you, you nailed it. Th mm. These boys deserve a little bit more love and respect yeah. from the fan base. It, 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 if your hopes as a Carlton fan is beating GWS round 24, we might as well close shop. We might as well get rid of all them pretty little trophies as you walk through Icon Park make more seats, they'll be more practical. It's winning flags. It's not winning round 24. It's not even making finals. We're about that. And that is what these boys are going to try and deliver for us. And all they need from us is a raucous MCG yeah. to let Sydney know. Because Sydney, they're fallible. The last time mm. they played in a final at the G, what happened? They were embarrassed. Yeah. So we've got to embarrass them again. By half time, Sydney needs to be going, God, it's happening again. It's happening again because we don't have that. We're going in fearless mm. because if we lose, we lose. But I'm confident, and so should they be. Oh, a hundred percent. And and speaking of the crowd, speaking of I guess the start in particular, it was electric to begin that game. Um, you have obviously the anticipation. We know we've nailed finals. We're in. We know we're finishing fifth, regardless of the result. Everyone's getting excited, hopefully, to see Charlie clinch the Coleman medal. And then you get the Seven Nation Army playing, which was absolutely getting everyone excited. Place was almost packed at, at Marvel. It was a massive atmosphere, and it felt like we came out with a massive, massive intensity, potentially as well because of that noise. It was almost as, as soon as Charlie had nailed the Coleman, got those two goals so incredibly quickly that – we almost maxed out the crowd. We maxed out the players and what they were probably motivated for in that game. Is that the sort of more turning point in the game for you where everyone kind of decided to put the cue in the rack, wrap it up and, and try to just play to the final siren? 
there was a weird vibe, wasn't there, in the crowd? Um, watching on the watch along, even the watch along, they, they they went through all the emotions in four quarters. It was a little bit like someone had condensed the year for me to re-experience. And once Colonel kicked the goal, it did feel like the job was done, didn't it? Like mm. everything of Carlton's changed. They went into yeah. half time probably unlucky to be losing, mm. really, because it was a snaky goal that got them the lead. But it definitely, I think there was a vibe from the fans. I mean, you could argue it's 6-10. I've heard all the excuses. <laughs> do you know what I mean? I went to the game with kids. Um, I wanted them to have an early night, even though if they'd won, it would have been 10 o'clock. Um, Got work tomorrow, maybe, <laughs> maybe time works differently from the Gregorian calendar we use in the United Kingdom. Um, but that's a bizarre one for me. But people left because they couldn't be asked, and that's all right. Let, let's not song and dance it. People mm. left because they couldn't be bothered. They could see what was going to happen. Fair enough. I don't really care if people stay or not. You pay the money. You do what you want. Mm. Um, I thought it was nice, though, for the people that did stay to let these players know that they've worked fucking hard. Like, nine games out of ten to go from... When we started this journey, we were where Gold Coast were when we played them the next time. We were we were talking about Harley Reid, right? I, yeah, I remember people were saying pick four. Maybe that could get Harley Reid, right? Now we're talking finals. Like, full credit to them. Mm. And you know what? It's great because yeah. we are the best fan base in the world. And with that comes probably the most unhinged, I would <laughs> Definitely say. Definitely most unhinged. Canada. Myself including. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. King, king of unhinged. Um, but, yeah, it, it was a weird one because after the game, I don't really like it because the one thing that pissed me off about the game is, and it happened in the watch-along, people start turning against their own and then on Twitter they turn against each other. And I always say Carlton is like a family. And if you've ever mm. got a big family, like coming from the culture I do, you have like a 100 f- cousins and a hundred aunties, it's it's horrible at weddings, but you always have Uncle Nobed, don't you? Mm. The uncle that drinks too much beer, you don't really know if he's your dad's brother or your mum's brother. You just know him as Uncle Nobed. Mm. No one really knows who he is, but he hugs you too tight. He does that horrible thing when he's drunk and he rustles your cheeks. You know, he's dancing like fucking the Bee Gees and he's had way too much beer. And we have a mm. lot of Uncle Nobeds in the Carlton community. It doesn't mean they're bad people, but they just get you a little bit. They they aggravate you a little bit, and mm. each to their own. But well, as far as I can see, fan base has been terrific for nine weeks. Mm. I think we've won them games as well as the yeah. boys. The boys have done marvellously. Mm. And finals, baby, Ian. Five, yeah, how weird oh. is that? We're doing a final <laughs> show. How good is this? How good is this? Oh, oh. no, and... And, and, and yeah, like the, the crowd's been incredible, literally willed us to win so many games this year, rocked up again, massively loud to start that game. And maybe we're onto something with the Seven Nation Army to begin the game and, and the bit of the, the Queen, Freddie Mercury call and response. There was something in that. It definitely got us going. And first time I think I've sort of screamed anything before a game that loud and so much. So maybe that's kind of what we need to go do going forward. And, and look, I'm happy to put my hand up and, and say I'm a bit of a, a knobhead that was maybe a little bit divisive after the game. Always happy to admit when I'm wrong or put my hand up about things, but it wasn't coming from a place of 
trying to divide or trying to have a go at other people and their decisions. It's not about that. It's not what it's trying to be. It's not trying to say, oh, I stay to the end of a game, so I'm a better supporter or anything like that. And I hope people aren't taking anything like that. It was more of the, the rhetoric of, of what you were talking about with this team that I've done everything. We, halfway through the season, we all sort of collectively went, look, we have given everything to this club. We're not getting much back and we need you boys to prove it. They went out there, one nine in a row, clinched finals, first time in, in 10 years. I just felt like, I get it. It's, it's a late night. We've got shit on. We've got work early in the morning tomorrow, but can we wait 10 minutes? We've waited 10 years. Can we wait 10 minutes just to say thanks, boys? And, and maybe the circumstances as well of the performance, you start to get in that negative headspace and triggered a little bit of, oh, this is the Carlton I saw earlier in the year. Maybe I'll just go home instead. But the sentiment was more, can we please just realize what these boys have done and, and stay and clap and thank them? Because we're all going to need your voice and we're going to need you to stay when things go tough, when things aren't going well. Who knows? Sydney game, we could be down 40 points a quarter time and we're going to need us all to rally about and bring the noise again and get these boys into it because the players have said so much how the crowd affects them in a positive way. Jack Silvani's tweeting saying, bring the noise baggers, come on, we need this. Even for just the last game, GWS, when it doesn't necessarily mean anything. So come finals time, let's all get together. Let's let's crack in, which I know we will because we're the best bloody fan base in the league. And it's going to be very, very exciting as we move to it. But we touched on it there talking about Charlie Kerno. And I know he's your boy. I know he's your man. So we're going to have a bit of a Charlie Kerno love in because that man has just gone back to back Coleman medals. First time a Carlton player's ever done this. And I think the last time a player has gotten three in a row was Gary Ablett Sr. in the mid 90s. I know he's just done two. And he was, what, what's incredible as well is the man missed the two seasons prior. It's not like he had a couple of seasons to get back up to the scratch. Missed two years, comes back in, wins two in a row. Do you reckon he can be the first person since Gary Ablett Sr. to win three in a row? And what are your overall thoughts about Charlie? I'm giving you the floor on this one. He's your man. 100% he'll go three in a row. Next year, he'll get 100. He's, mm. he's going to end He's going to end the talk. Is it possible to get 100? Might do um, this year. He might do. Um, do I don't, we can't count finals, though, can we? Unfortunately, um, no, we can. Be... I'll, I'll storm. I'll storm the field. Grand final day match. Charlie Kerno kicks his hundredth goal to be up by a hundred points as we beat Collingwood in the grand final. How good! It, it would be good. It would be good. Maybe we should ask if they can bring back the Millennium match at Christmas. Oh, so, please, Adam. So, so, so Charlie could have a field day. Um, but. Nah, he's he's a special talent. He's a special young man, and I think the wonderful thing about Charlie is um, how gr- how lucky we are to have a man of that caliber. I think in a in a day and age where mm. if you're too masculine, you're toxic. If you're too emotional, you're feminine and you're woke. Um, Charlie is that perfect human being, isn't he? And I think mm. there's not many sportsmen who are the best at what they do. Incredibly good looking, wonderful body. Friday, Sunday night, he's just won the best player in his department. And the first thing he does is go home to mum and dad, opens a beer with them, and he's mm. at a campfire. And I think Charlie is, for me, the inspiration to men, women, children. That That's what you do. You play hard, you kick ass, 
but then you have your values as well. And I think Charlie, for me, what a story. I mean, his story's a movie, isn't it? Comes into yeah. the draft, drink drives, falls down the draft order, comes with big brother to Carlton, ACL, knee, knee. Everyone was wanting rid of him. He comes back against St. Kilda, one step, 60 metre bomb. And since then, he's never looked back, has he? And I remember doing that preview against St. Kilda and saying he'll win the Coleman next year and people saying I was mental. And Charlie's, mm. Charlie's special. And I'll tell you what, I remember my grandfather telling me he was a big George Best fan. We went to the debut when Cristiano Ronaldo played for Man United. And it was quite, it was a decent debut, but it wasn't world beating. I remember my granddad saying, there's a bit of George Best in this boy. And he was like, my advice to you is enjoy him because one day he'll be gone and he's just a story in a pub. And looking at Charlie, I know in 20, 30 years time, my kids are going to be like, dad, mm. how good was Charlie? And then my grandkids are going to be like, granddad, who's the best forward you've ever seen? And it, these are the stories we'll tell. Charlie Kerner, his career was over. It was done. And then he came back and he didn't just dominate. He destroyed. And mm. seeing Charlie's growth this year, from last year to be a goal-scoring freak to this year bringing players in, that tap against GWS oh. where he, the Coleman was still in dis up in the air. Most forwards would have been selfish and tried to clunk it. His first instinct was pass it on and, you mm. know, do the same thing. The, the kids growing up and, you know what, it's a pleasure to sing the song every week. And I, I know one day I'll sing the last Charlie Kernow song and, you know, a part of me will die because I mm. love Charlie Kernow. He's something special. Like we've had in my short lifespan we've had guys like fev and guys like judd that really have been those special players that get the crowd up and about and every little thing they do is just it's it's magic and you, you can't help but just be captivated and enjoy sitting there watching it but oh, i don't know if this is a ridiculously hot take or something like that but i just feel like what charlie brings it's bigger than that and it's bigger with the fan base it just resonates it's those ridiculous marks where he's out of position, has no right getting it, and he just one-hands it. And you're going, how is this man able to do these things? And it's something special to have a player like that, that the whole fan base, every single time he gets near the ball, we're out of our seats already. And it's just something I don't think I've ever witnessed before. And he's just ridiculous. And I'm just so excited for him and so many of these other guys to finally be able to do this in finals, it feels like our squad, so many of our star players are built for finals. You've got Charlie, the beautiful forward. You've got Harry as well, taking those, whether he's kicking goals or having those match-winning clunks down the line when you need someone to do it. You've got Cripper doing Cripper things while streaming away. Saad, his defensive efforts, rebounding. Weeders with the match-winning mark. Like There's so many of these players that feel built for big moments. I'm just so keen for them to finally, after all these years, have it. And I can't believe I've even forgot Doherty as well, who deserves a shout-out for just going back with the flight or kicking a bomb from 70. It's just exciting times ahead. I mean, it's probably a bold call, but you'd say that they'll do the team of the century, what, in 77 years. Uh, um, barring a miracle, I won't be here to present that show. And if I am, I've probably lost my mind. But yeah. I, It'd be hard to imagine in the next 77 years we're going to see a forward come through the system yeah. to play for this club, to be close to Charlie, mm. to be close. And we're probably seeing two generations' time, full forward they name, 
team of the century. Like that's insane yeah. to me. That that's insane. That I'll be dead. I'll be worm food, and someone will, some kid, eighteen, will be like, "Who the hell's this C Kerno?" And he types it in, and he sees me sing the Charlie Kerno song, and be like, "Fucking going on here? Who's this?" <laughs> But, I mean, it's exciting special. times. It's special, for sure. Uh, we'll continue with some positives, if we have any. Very keen to hear from you because, look, ultimately the game, it's, it's going to be pretty forgettable. There weren't many consequences on it for us, so you can really understand the performance. But was there anything that stood out to you that you liked from the game or anything you feel you can take away in a positive light to, as we prepare to move on to finals? I think Chara and Walsh should... I watched that first half and I was kind of like, how the hell have we won nine games without you? Like, because mm. you could see the difference in caliber to the other players. You could see them point to difference straight away. Chera's vice like grit. The fact when he tackles someone, they stay tackled, where they seem to slip out of everyone else. Chera seems to, once he's got you, you ain't getting the handball. Walsh dancing through traffic. You forget that. We've had to go through the Rambutsjus way in nine weeks to see Twinkle Toes bob about and find a yard of space. I was thinking, Jesus, we've got some strings when mm. Doc and when Crips comes back and Doc and that muscle comes back. Wow, we're going to have some good players. And one that really did stand out, and I don't think he got enough kudos, was Paddy Dow. Like, yeah. you, you know what? Finally, it, it's amazing how this game works. Round one behind Kennedy. Um, many people said we should have kept Setfield and got rid of Dow. I remember them comments. Why is Dow here and we've got rid of Setfield? And then round 24, he's leading the midfield. Do you know what I mean? He's playing mm. the, the the VFL role, which for those who watch my VFL rap, I always say he's Crips in the VFL. He's the main breadwinner. He's It's his midfield. He finally got to be that in the AFL. And you know what? He didn't look out of place at all. I didn't think. Yeah. I thought Dow... I watched that game and I was like, you know what? I, I don't mind this, to be honest. I was watching it and mm. I was like, I don't mind Dow Walsh, Chera. Like, there was parts of me that didn't miss Crips and Doc. And then my brain was saying, we've got some pretty good players to come back in to help these mm. boys out as well. And I got a bit excited thinking, wow, yeah, Crip, I've got the best contested player in the league and the coolest head in the league to come into this midfield. Wow. We are in a privileged position as a football club, sir. They were probably my highlights to see mm. McGovern, Chera and Walsh run the game out, fully fit, ready for finals. And I, it was put a smile on my face. Dow, I think he personifies the last 10 weeks. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Dead and buried 10 weeks ago. And he's got a bright future ahead of him now. No, it's, it's it's so interesting with this midfield and what's going to happen as we head towards finals. It feels like he may be incredibly unlucky to miss out if he does Paddy Dow because he hasn't done anything wrong he's been exceptional I thought he was our best midfielder on the night just kept applying himself his little shimmies out of trouble is just yeah. something that I'm not sure anyone else in that team has that little aspect and I'm always looking for in this team that that point of difference what are you bringing that no one else can and it's just a good skill set that we can add to the complementary aspects of the rest of this midfield and I did feel at times we definitely missed the grunt of a of a Crips and a Doherty but he also when that intensity is not at a hundred percent when you know the tackle pressure is not there all the pressure indicators are dropping off maybe it's not a hundred percent the grunt aspect of it but 
it was definitely good to get mid um, minutes into Gov, Chair, and Walsh. I thought they showed good signs, like you mentioned, but you could tell how just not a hundred percent they were up to up to the standard. They were a little bit sloppy, a little bit scrappy. You can expect that, and I think it's just so vital that we got genuine AFL minutes into these guys before we end up playing Sydney. Would have been a little bit worried if we went straight into the Sydney game, throwing all these guys in, having not played a proper game of AFL football. So it's going to hold us in in great stead. I think the other big positive that I had from the game, another one of your favorites, I just thought Ollie Hollands just it was unbelievable. His work rate and being able to watch it, I'm fortunate I'm on the wing at the ground. So just being able to watch him run back and forth, some of the efforts, I was, I was turning to my partner just going, how is this guy able to continually chase and get to these positions? He has no right doing it, but his will to really just never give up, just it's it's incredible. And then would have been the, the cherry on the cake there if he was able to actually get that goal that was apparently it hit the post. I don't know. Maybe there's some dodgy something going on with that Snicko because should have been a goal. Why not? I'm well, the, I mean, the, the snickle on TV, as we were watching the watch along, I described it as it was an ant's fart. <laughs> like, it, like if you were a batter, you'd be mighty pissed if they gave you mm. out for that because that could have been anything. Do you know what I mean? It could it looked like the mating call of a flea. It spikes a little. <laughs> um, interesting. But no, Ollie, he, you know, the wonderful thing about Ollie and speaking to him a lot was um, during COVID, pre-COVID, being not a very good runner. So th- we talk about hope for young people watching the game and getting into it. Like Ollie Hollands was quite honest. He bought a treadmill, COVID. He made an effort that he was going to be a good runner because obviously going mm. to school, where are you going to find the time when you're a kid? COVID happened. He was at home all the time, running, running, running. And you see the benefits of them sessions like the kid is a freak do you know what i mean like he is yeah. a freak like like he's he's running what 60 average 16 kilometers this year all year per game like that's a long way and the interesting thing about ollie as well genuinely tops the speed in defense and forward as well so they're not just long distance running like you associate with ed langdon he's also still sprinting as well which if anyone's ever done running and tried to do like hit training, that's what kills you. Like Brutal. you can run even if you're a fat bugger like me, twenty k's. But you try mixing your pace, sprinting, jogging, sprinting, jogging. That's when it becomes hard. And he doesn't look tired, does he, Ollie? No. When he comes off the ground, he looks like he could do it again. He's he's something special already, this kid, and his physicality for a guy that you. If you hadn't seen any of his football, you wouldn't expect any physicality from him knowing his size and shape, but that's that's my favorite part of him. He's, he gets tackled to the ground and thrown around and he's straight back up and, and he's at it again. And it's just, it's a nice element to have in our team and it's going to be something special to watch for years going onwards. Uh, we do have to maybe touch on some negatives as we gear towards the Sydney game, which is kind of where my attention keeps going to it's like one eye immediately looking at the sydney game while we chat a bit about the gws loss because who cares about the loss let's not worry about that but i did touch on one of my disappointments from the game was maybe not getting a ridiculous amount out of more of those fringe guys guys fighting for a spot in our team a lot of names i'll throw at you but what were your kind of overall thoughts about guys like fogarty cunningham fisher 
Chincotta. I guess you can even throw in Marchbank. Talked about Dow with Dude and those kind of guys that may be a bit more fringe, potentially fighting for a spot. What did you make of their performance and, and where it maybe puts them in selection spot for, for the Sydney game? I think it's going to be really interesting with what Voss does because a few of them players there you've named, like there's the great debate with what do you do with Fisher. Mm. Um, for me, I, I hate to say it, even though I've been really impressed with his last couple of weeks, this week he was a bit down, but so was many other people. And to shoot him for having one average game versus the games he's had, I think he's harsh. But I think that's... I just don't see him in the, the 23. Uh, I, I think mm. when everyone's fit, um, I think even Marchbank, he was brilliant when he came on, but I think you saw the better than, you saw how bad it is when there's four tolls down there. You yeah. really did see how that affected the movement. So I don't think that will ever happen. Um, Durden, it was great to see him because I thought him with the six tackles, he's probably fighting for that Fogarty spot. And Voss has probably got it in his mind. What is the best trio? They've all got points of difference. And always is the goal sneak. Fogarty is the pressure guy. Very interesting that he out-pressured Fogarty. Yeah. So I thought that's Durden's way in. Durden probably has as well more points of difference than Fogarty as a footballer. The difference is, you know Fogarty's going to do it every week. Durden, the question mark is that consistency. He can do it this week. Next week, though, he could have one tackle two touches. So that's the thing now. Durden's got to go away and prove to Vossi, I can do this every week. This is my base standard and I'll add goals on top of it, which I hope, shame we don't have VFL, but I don't think yeah. you can play Durden against Sydney. My biggest concern though, Pom Cotter for me is a lock. You need that intensity in a final that Pom Cotter will kill himself to get that ball. And in a final, I want someone in that loose ball saying, I'll die today. I'll, I'll die. It's my ball. And I love him. He he, he plays like um, a kid on a housing commission who you've nicked his ball. Like, <laughs> he's getting that ball back. And that's what I love about him. Uh, my concern is Harry and the Rock, because I thought yeah. Harry had a go. And all we know, it wasn't very good. We're going to come up against Sydney, who presumably will go Hickey, McLean, in mm. their combination, that's what they've kind of enjoyed, which means it's going to be a similar makeup for TDK, where he can go 80%. So this is probably a game where TDK will look at Hickey and go, I can dominate him. And Hayden McLean, like Jesus, he sounds like a he sounds like a floor cleaner. So <laughs> you could probably get away with Harry playing in that one. But moving forward, you can see why Voss is so on the pit and at TDK train because mm. it's either JSOS and you're undersized or it's pit and at not doing much around the ground because around the ground is a little bit like COVID, isn't he? Like you well, can't see him, but he's there, <laughs> right? Like, and everyone seems to see him, but no one actually directly sees him. Um, it's a bizarre one, that one for me, because that didn't quite work. Mm. And <clears> my <throat> concerns with Harry is he looked like he wasn't attacking the contest. So it kind of looks like when Kerno first came back against St. Kilda two years ago, it's going to require him to trust his body because it looks like he was kind of like, can I go in this 50-50? Is my body right yet? Mm. And once he gets through that, we know Harry's a psychopath and he just runs into people. And that's why I kind of like him in the rut because I think he's going to have to get that confidence in his body quickly. And I didn't see that this week. So maybe 
you do risk it one mm-hmm. more week because <clears throat> Icky does 90% of the ruck work. So it's not like TDK is going to have a hard mm-hmm. job of having two guys go 50%. Like GWS, they heavily rotate it. That's a nightmare. This one, it's going to be Hickey all game. Amati yeah. and McLean will do five each. So it's not mm. really a big issue. The week yeah. after, though, it's it's going to be Melbourne or Collingwood. So both of them have decent rook duos. Yeah, it's interesting. And that's that was a big question that came out of this. We had a question from Mark DT who asked, is that the last time we see Mackay in the ruck? And then the great man Soj, Adrian Salerno, said, if Sauce makes it for the Swans, do we take the punt with him over Pitto? And I'll definitely want your opinions and answers to those questions. But it, it's just – it's so difficult to know what to do. And I like the idea that we did try something different this week when we kind of were allowed to almost have a bit of a, a real-life training session of, okay, let's see what it's like with Harry in the ruck because we've noticed, like you've touched on, pit outside of the ruck, it's not great. And TDK has almost looked better when he has been in the ruck compared to Pitto. So what do you, what do, you do? And, and we've seen how good Silvani's been in playing that role, but he's injured. We don't know if he's 100%. So what else can you turn to and, and really – it has been, is it is it Colonel? Is it Cripps? Is it Harry? Does Gov go into the ruck where depending where it is around the ground? And I do agree with you. It felt as if he wasn't a hundred percent committed. And whether that's he's not worried, he's still worried about his shoulder, and whether that can be something that would go if he gets a little bit too physical. But I didn't love what he was able to do in that game. It wasn't great from from his perspective. It's something he definitely needs to work on because it needs to be an element that we can throw to at certain stages. I'm not sold. I don't know 100% what I want yet. So what are you doing if you were the selector this week? Would you be saying bring Pitto in? If Silvani's available, is he your number one in? What are you kind of looking at as far as this second ruck is concerned if uh, if you had to make a decision right here and, there, and now? Well, I mean, as of yesterday, it was two weeks so they confirmed it won't play the elimination final. Mm. It's an outside chance the next round, which then you would indicate in the, well, we have the semifinals and then we have the prelim finals, don't we? Cause, yeah. Because we just make up words. Um, <laughs> 100%. I mean, at, at that stage, I would say it would be an injustice for Jack Silvani to play. If they, when, yeah. when they get that far, if he hasn't played them two games, I think it's incredibly stiff dropping someone for a granny because JSOS is there. Um, but this week you've probably got one more chance with Harry because, like I say, McLean has averaged 20 rook contests, which is literally what Carlton have done with their second rook when it's been Sauce, Harry Mackay, when they have Lewis Young, they have really leniently that rotation. And incidentally, TDK averages 10 more rook contests than Hickey. So you could really say you only need someone to do 10 times with how mm. TDK has been going about it. So you could probably do Harry one more time. Do I want to see it? Not really. It'd just be interesting what they do because if Pitonet goes in there, you're probably saying goodbye to Dow or Fisher. Yeah. You've got to say goodbye to them because they're going to heavily rotate that area. So you'd say if Harry's in there, it gives Carlton a chance to be a bit more dynamic and explosive, which I think you need to be with Sydney. So to answer your question, I've danced around it. I mean, I would probably be happy, Harry, one more week 
yeah. in Sydney and say, look, you're going against Hayden McLean. He's not even a real footballer, Harry. Like, <laughs> like, like all you've got to do is win one tap and we've, we're okay. So, mm. I mean, for me, yeah, I, I thought TDK, for me, though, was brilliant against GWS. I enjoyed his game. I thought the maturity levels from him, his ability to bring GWS and play his game is a strength. And Tom Hickey's a wily old, old character, but he's old. So TDK yeah. should be looking at him and going, I'll burn you around the ground. I'll burn mm. you today. So I, I fancy TDK versus Hickey. I think that's a great matchup for us. And if Harry can't beat Hayden McLean, Jesus, we're, we're in strife. Yeah. No, I, I like the idea of the flexibility of, of making Harry that kind of second ruck and more experience with it. I think it's something we're going to need to do going forward to some degree. I like the, I, the fact that we're training Harry Lemmy in the VFL in that similar role where it's like, you need to get the ruck craft down as well. We need you to be versatile. If you're going to be a forward in this team, that's where your point of difference is being able to have that ruck craft available to you as well. And yeah, I think the way Pitt's been maybe the last month or so, he still doesn't look a hundred percent fit. I know it's late in the year. No one's a hundred percent fit. Everyone's got niggles, but He's not that kind of player that almost needs VFL form. I know we don't have it at the moment because we botched it against Gold Coast, but he's not that guy that needs games under his belt to come in. And you kind of get what you get with Pitto. So I don't mind the idea of just resting him almost another week, allowing Harry to, to come in and saying, look, we'll reassess it if we get if, when, when we beat Sydney and we move on to the next stage and we'll see what we get. And maybe he is, his body's a little bit fresher and ready to go. I, I think Harry's going to go off against Sydney, to be honest. My, my gut is two games, blowing the cobwebs. Mm. Getting, I mean, he wasn't in great rhythm before he did the shoulder. I mean, that's what's annoying me here in all this criticism of Harry. It wasn't like Harry was prime Buddy Franklin before he got injured. It, there was question marks about Harry before the injury. The injury, mm. if anything, helped him because, heaven forbid, he went another four weeks kicking bananas. I think... Carlton fans would have started trading him for Levi, um, the way they were going on about him. I do think the finals, it's a different kettle of fish. Mm. If you're Sydney, you're double T, like you, you have to make that them big calls. And yeah. Horse is aggressive. I can guarantee you opening bounds, he's double teaming Charlie. And mm. he's going to pop the eggs in the Harry Cart kick basket, which opens it up for Harry because Harry's going to get a couple of cushy marks. And if he bangs two of them in, that could be game over in the first 10 minutes. Like, if I mm. was Voss, I guarantee you Harry is going to be free. They're going to put the third toll on him. He's going to have the physical advantage. I would be saying, target Harry. Target Harry. If Harry gets too early, Horse is going to be like, shit. I'm going to have to separate my two bigs. And they are vulnerable down the back. People mm. aren't talking about this. I look, I look at their back line, and I'm like, ooh, this... All due respect to a very good side, which the Bloods are. It's a bit Mickey Mouse, that back line. Yeah. Like, like you've got to remember Harry and Charlie train on Kemp and Mr. Waitering, and they're going to be up against, what, Ramp, McCartin, and Mickey Mouse, Nick Blakey. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's... It's, it's somewhere we can definitely exploit 100%. And we'll get to this. We, we almost chatted about this at the start of the show 
Probably took too long to get to it, but Pommy, I want you to go off. I mean, maybe we'll start dipping our toes into it because I've got a couple of different questions, a couple of different places to go, but you want to talk about the turnover. And I will say that it's probably the second week in a row that we have been hurt somewhat badly off turnover ourselves. Obviously, the start of that Gold Coast game, this game was probably where GWS generated a lot of their scores from. And even you could say in that St. Kilda game, that's where they... We seemed vulnerable. Um, is this at all a cause for concern for you headed into finals, the way that we seem to somewhat struggle uh, from losing that scores, from not maybe losing the score from turnover, but getting hurt from turnovers? What are your kind of thoughts on, on how that's going for us? And is it an issue? In short, no, because the stat they're telling you is points differential. Now, points differential is ridiculous because to tell you what differential means, you've got to understand what type of defensive setup they play. So if you're talking about turnovers, differential genuinely over the last six years, teams have played a mid-press. So they don't really commit mass numbers forward. The exception being the wonderful Richmond team, but Melbourne, they play a very similar style of a deeper back line, a deeper forward line with a real high press from their full forward line. Carlton are committing their midfield, their half forwards and their full forwards there. And you see Wheatering is usually the deepest player back and he's our goal side of halfway. So what happens when you play GWS, you've got to take that risky kick and Carlton are putting the pressure for you to kick into the corridor. GWS made that kick, right? Because of Carlton's lack of intent and pressure. Go back three weeks ago against Melbourne, who have ironically, Melbourne are favourites to win this flag from that article, if you read it, because they were, what, fifth in differential and fourth in turn in, in stoppages. Interesting enough, Carlton's percentage from scores this year as well is 20% from turnover versus... 20.3 from them. So we're 0.5 better than Melbourne. Jeez. We're 20.8. So we score more points from turnover. We concede more because our system is live by the sword, die by the sword. Mm. GWS score 26% of their points. So it's 6% differential, but we score 9% more from stoppage and clearance. So we're a better balanced side than GWS. The differential though, look at how the two sides defend. You've only got to watch last week. They defend and stand off a little bit. Their forwards commit, but they flood that exit kick. So you've got midfielders with defenders. We don't have that. And if you are someone who in them up to round 12 said, oh, I want to see Carlton be more in industrious with the ball, a bit more endeavour, a bit more dash and dare. Well, you're going to get killed on turnover because dare and dash means high pressure, high numbers around the ball high-risk strategy, you're going to flick it over the back. And when the intent isn't there, you get mm. caught out the back. Port Adelaide did it first quarter against us. Um, Melbourne did it in the first quarter. St. Kilda tried to do it, who are a very kick-heavy side down the back. And GWS, I think all of their goals in the first, apart from two, were from that big kick, that loopy kick from half-back to the corridor. And it's a dangerous kick in Carlton's application one there. We're yeah. always going to have shit differential, right? And that start annoys me because uneducated people trust uneducated pundits who paint you the narrative. I can find any start 
and make my own narrative. I choose not to do that because mm. I have respect for the listeners and I have respect for people. And I try and tell you why that stat tells you that. The turnover differential, most ridiculous stat in the world because for it to make sense, you have to know how a team defends and how it gets the ball back. Carlton have consistently ranked number number three in the last eight weeks for forward turnovers, right? Which That's is what deep. Richmond used to feed off, right? So that is where Carlton's strength is. But because they commit so many numbers, you were always going to hemorrhage goals in turnover and mm. there's nowhere to stop it. And you know what? When you all asked for us to stop conceding from turnover, may I remind you, that run that you saw with the Essendon, that happened. Mm. That happened. So when you take this away from them, you get that football. So be careful what you wish for. We would probably be top five for differential if we carried that. Problem would be we'd be 16th, right? But it would look better on David mm. King's little sad board with Danny Hoyne from Champions Data, who won't release any details about oh. it because, oh, we want to keep the AFL between us and our little sad bastards. If he told you the truth, he would be saying, Carlton are one of the most feared sides. And there was an article, to be fair, criticised the AFL media. I'll praise them, right? And mm. I will praise David King here, who used the start, but knew a little bit more. And like he said, right, we are the most stingy defense in the AFL, right? Which means we wrestle the ball. We might lose out at the back, but we control the ball down the back. And the stoppage and turnover game offset each other because he said, and these are his words, when you are 182 points plus from stoppage and clearance, this is the most dangerous style of football by any team in the finals race, as you will find historically, stoppage and clearance wins tight games. So David King knows he's just whoever's released that start, please like just understand <laughs> stats as stats uh, without yeah. the story. You've got to understand why the stats. So people are asking the wrong question, right? What you should be asking, not what has won the flag. Why did it won the fun, mm. right? And Carlton are playing an incredibly aggressive forward 50 defence. And it's incredibly aggressive. And it negates, it, it plays to our strength because we, we've got a few players who can run 16Ks. They're as rare as rocking horse shit. So it makes sense that your Ollie Hollands, your Matt Cottrells, they can run back. Most teams don't have that in their arsenal. They're fast enough to be at the fall of the ball but then be back in D50 by the time the ball gets there. So it's personnel-based, but we'll never mm. rank high in, in, in turnover yeah. differential. It, it's never going to happen. So we will book the trend of that stat. No. Oh, thank you so much for running through that. I really, really appreciate that. And I hope the listeners have, have gauged something incredible from that because I don't feel there's enough education around these topics and particularly you nailed it. They don't give out any of these stats literally because they know as soon as they do, all their jobs are gone because fan-made content is already starting to beat them anyway. The only thing we don't have is access to champion data. It's the only thing giving them anything right now. And I, I think it's ridiculous because even the way we do seem to struggle from scores from turnover, like the way GWS moved through us, Gold Coast did, St. Kilda did, 
like you said, it was so much of that was our work rate and us not being able to be in those right areas. And I'm not looking at that GWS game and worrying from it. How many times did we just let them own the corridor? We didn't have anyone tracking back. We just let them move the ball through there. When we've played our best, that's not what happens. And I, I just think it's it's not a cause for concern at all. And for everything you've said, you've absolutely nailed it. Well, My other kind biggest, of sorry, go for it. The biggest start I can give you, right, is if you reword the start, right, this will turn you on. So this is the last five premieres, and that's what they based their start on. So they based it on their positions on a fictional ladder, mm. turnover differential, and stoppage clearance. Right, and it came out, I think, at 3.2 Carlton ranking one and 14 for respective, which then said we can't win it. Right, however, let's change it round. If you actually look at the last five premieres, right, they have averaged 24% of their total scores from stoppage and 20.6 from turnover. Right, Collingwood, right, they get a tick in stoppage 25.4, they get from turnover 20.1%. Right, Brisbane, 22.8%. They get an uh-uh for stoppage, but they get a tick for turnover, 23% on the button. Melbourne, right, 25.4% from stoppage, right? Incidentally, right, they are second behind Carlton for that makeup, so they get a tick, but they also get a drop for turnover, 18.9%. They are identical to Carlton, right? They are identical to Carlton on their turnover game. Port, 28% in stoppage, 20.3%, again, an uh, uh, in turnover. So none of the top five mm. meet the criteria. However, Carlton, if they average out with their scores, Carlton are averaging 31.5% from stoppage, 196 from turnover, right, over the last five, with, with the highest output in midfield, which puts them above the other four we've mentioned, and also the number one defence in the competition, which they don't have. And if you look at GWS, mm. they are worse than us. They have a higher percentage from turnover, but they are only scoring 17% from stoppage and clearance. So they're totally out of the equation. So the, the only stat I can give you that says Carlton won't win the flag is no one in the last 20 years has won it from fifth. Mm. Right? So there's a stat, but I mean, Jesus, you're pick, picking ass. Someone's got to do it. But genuinely, when you look at data, you break it down to percentage because that is a fair way of how the scores are mirroring up. And that is across the last five. And if you go through the last 10, because before that, the time wasn't there, it's about 2% either way. So mm. counting a right, there is six teams in this at the moment who can win it, right? And GWS would be the sixth team. We would be the fifth. The other two teams are just there for banter, yeah. right? But... Melbourne are the favourites. Carlton are closer, even if you do the differential conversation. They're favourites, though, to win it because of the experience. So, Carlton fans, get excited. It, mm. It's a flawed start. But you've got to understand, with differential, it's the same as stoppage. You're asking the question, what does the rook look like? What does the midfield setup around the ball look like? Some teams hemorrhage it. A great example is Richmond. They used to hemorrhage scores from there because they relied on back-half turnover. So, they wanted you to kick it out of the centre clearance. Mm. You've got to understand what their avenue to go is. And for Carlton, our avenue is deep forward pressure and making you kick to them areas of uncertainty. And if you nail it, you kill us. Yeah. But can you nail it all day? Mm. Not many teams can. As proven mm. in the last 10 weeks, Collingwood couldn't. They're brilliant at it. Port couldn't. 
They're brilliant at it. St. Kilda, they couldn't do it. No one has been able to do it yet, apart from GWS when we gave up. Yeah. And we're not going to give up in a final. Mm. You ain't going to have that luxury. So I would say be shit scared. And when they win Sydney, the men, it'll be confidence will be unbelievable. Yeah. Oh, if you don't, if you don't, didn't believe before listening to that, you have to believe now. And honestly, like that was going to be my next question around this was talking about that narrative of oh, they rely more on, on stoppage from clearance. They're a stoppage scoring team. And looking at the, the other teams in the past that have won the flag, that's not the that's not the the scoring profile and all this nonsense. And, and I'm glad you broke that down there and actually explained it out because it kind of goes to what I assumed, not even looking at some of those stats myself, thinking this is such a flawed way of looking at things. One, anyway, just because you can't be looking... 100% at the past and saying, well, that's just going to be how teams, if this is how a team won it last year, this is going to be how a team wins it this year because that's just not how the game's played. Things evolve. Teams win things in a different way. Plus, if you're scoring from stoppage and, and say, clearances, you're not even allowing a turnover to happen because you've got the ball. So it's slightly flawed even when you look at it from that sense. And it all, for me, goes down to, Finals football, which you touched on way early in the start of this podcast, it's a contested game. It is a stoppage game. And all you have to do, watch the last couple of minutes of the the Doggies-Melbourne Grand Final where Melbourne win. That game was won because all that happened was Melbourne walked it out in stoppage. They scored from center clearance. Bang, game was done. And for me, we're the team in the finals, maybe apart from Melbourne, that are the best at it. And that is what is giving me the excitement and the hope that we can go all the way and really not only just impact finals, but win the whole thing. Because at the crunch time, when you need someone to stand up at your midfield and getting the ball out of stoppages, scoring from clearances, that is the big pinnacle for me at a grand final. And if we're like the best team at it, well, there you go. That's, that's all that you need to hear. There is a team that someone had this narrative a few years ago, right? Saying, oh, they're too contested. Do you know what I mean? Oh, can they do it? I don't think they can. Their turnover game is way too strong. All that that malarkey and nonsense that we see, right? And that was a prelim final between Richmond and Collingwood in 2018. And what you saw, if you remember that first quarter, 32 to 9 from the Pies, mm. was a side that absolutely dominated contested yeah. possessions. They went around, they got the fall of the ball and they got it forward quick. Do you know what I mean? They they dominated around stoppage. They dominated around clearance. They took away the intercept game by every time the ball hit the deck, create a stoppage, get numbers around the ball, get the ball going forward, ball lands, hit them hard. Don't let them have time on the ball. And what happened? Mason Cox turned into yeah. what the American Tony Lockett. <laughs> they were 30 points down. And they could control the game from mm. the source because Richmond needed the ball in motion. Collingwood had done enough five goals in the first to end the game and play it on their terms. And they knocked out, arguably, don't care what anyone says, 2018, Richmond were the best oh, side in the, the country by, by a country mile. But Richmond be, were beaten by a side that could play to mm. their strengths, which, which in 2019, incidentally... Dimmer's best year, in my opinion, mm. they became a hard edge side. They had a well-roundedness. They could play that slow game as well. So 
I don't get it. Like, tell tell you what, I'll say this: GWS play Carlton in a final. What a granny! They'll get decimated. They'll yeah. get decimated. Like, th- there's way too much Kingsley love. I don't get it. Honestly, I don't. I haven't seen anything from GWS or Kingsley that excites me because that list is primed. Like, like that. There's winners in that list. That list has played finals. Like Vossi's coaching a list that finals is something that they've maybe heard in Bali, mm. like you know, in in a game of keepy uppy or something. They don't know what it is. So they are winners. They know how to win, and he's just got some confidence. But Calton, tell you what, they're learning on the job, and it's a fearsome side. Mm. And that brand of football, like you say, in a final, you, you wouldn't want to do it in a pressure game. Crips, Hewitt. You don't want you don't want Good that, luck. Ian. Twenty Good minutes luck. to go, Carlton six ahead. The last thing you want to do is go up against these dickheads. Hmm. You don't want them. You don't want it. And you saw GWS. I kept saying it on the watch along. They didn't want it at times. They didn't want that physicality. Because hmm. earlier in the game, th- they had everything to play for. Their season was on the line. We had maybe Charlie kicking a Coleman. We we were better. We were playing better football. We weren't even playing that well, and we were still leading. And it was only when we decided to, ah, this actually doesn't really matter. I don't want to get hurt. Screw it. Let's just go and rest up for Sydney that we dropped away. And I agree with you. Uh, we're just, it's an exciting time to be a Carlton supporter. And I know the listeners are very, very excited. So let's head straight in to some of the listener questions. If you ever want to get your questions in, I ask them every single time over on our Twitter at Navy Blue Corner is the place to be. If you want to get your questions in elsewhere on your preferred social platform, at Navy Blue Corner again, send it in, DM us. I'm sure I'll read it. I'm sure I'll get it there, but I always put the post out on Twitter if you're interested. And we have some good ones. We will start with Sorusboy458, who says, I noticed Voss moving the magnets a lot. Were there any changes that you saw that you liked and maybe want to see more of? I know we they had Kempi there for a little bit in the forward line. We've spoken a little bit about Harry Mackay. Was there anything that you noticed that maybe we can do a little bit more of? We've got another element to our to our game in finals that if we need to flick a switch, we can. I like Cunningham more up the ground. Uh, I I, mm. I thought I, I'd I'd fallen in love with high half forward. Connors, but I did like Connors going a little bit back behind the ball, showing a bit of intent, particularly when Carlton was struggling to move it. I like that move, and I did think when he was doing it in the third quarter, in a final when there's not much space, I really hope Voss has got the balls to maybe say to Cripps, we're taking one of you out, Hewitt, Cripps, Connors, Mm. I need you to thread a pass. I need you to make something happen. One chance you can do it. I did like that. And I don't mind, you know, I might be one of the few. Blake Akers played halfback for a whole quarter. Mm. I don't mind Blake down there. Is that big, just yeah. that bigger size. And Sydney, they like floating Blakey at high half forward when they need a goal. I wouldn't mind because he's got a big engine too. Blake Akers saying, well, tell you what, let's go. You and me, let's go. When you run up the wing, I've got the pace. Mm. When you come back forward, I've got the height. So I don't mind that option as well because that might get Dow in the side because it means yeah. you can float Doc and Acres as one rotation so Dow stays in the middle. So I didn't mind that rotation mm. as well. 
I don't mind the the Akers, the Blakers shout. I think it's always good to have a bit of versatility and and even like a guy like Doc, who obviously wasn't even in this side, we still don't know where we want to play him. We can play halfback, can play on the wing, can play in the guts, and just having someone that can do multiple roles, it, it's so exciting because these are the the clutch moments where you're hoping that, that the coaches make the right moves at the right time and actually having guys that you can rotate to change things up if things aren't going your way, or maybe we just want to control the game in a different style. I, I think that's the most positive thing for me. And I'm glad you touched on Cunners because I have a great question here from the legend Superbad. Always has some great questions coming in here. He says, boys, I feel like I've seen a few people calling to drop Cunningham, but I feel like finals is, is about big moments and he has the X factor that can't be quantified. Who do you guys think steps up in finals? Maybe apart from Cunningham, who you've you've highlighted as a potential special play out the middle for a big clearance when you need it. Jack Martin. Hmm. Jack Martin has Norm Smith medalist written all yeah. over him. And I, I think he's going under the radar. I think his defensive work, which has probably been questioned at times, and I've heard them questions, oh, if he doesn't kick goals, he doesn't do anything. This year, his defensive work has been nothing short of spectacular and his attacking work. So I get the feeling Jack Martin could be our Mason Cox 2018 Collingwood type player. Mm. That player that maybe teams forget about, but his first quarter could take the game away from you. And he's one I think will have a big game against Sydney. I, I think Jack Martin is the man to watch. And mm. Motlop, I feel like Motlop's got you know that Adam Goods, the war, the war dance he did against us? Yeah. And I've seen Motlop threaten with the little dances. And I feel that like he's going to have an... I, yeah, I feel like he's got an iconic celebration mm. in the finals. I feel like Motlop is a name we talk about 10 years down the track of 2023's flag and say, I wish you'd seen Motlop. I love I, that. I feel like Motlop's got finals. Oh, I agree. Like, all you have to do is think of, like, the best moments from Motlop, and it was out of nothing against Gold Coast when you need a goal. It's Collingwood last year, last game of the round, where you need moments, and he seems to be someone that just creates something out of nothing, and, and he brings that energy, and my mind immediately went to Martin and Motlop, just the spark in that forward half, and Jack Martin, another one, it, through this whole nine-week run, has been... One of the better players. I'm very interested to see the, um, the, the John Nichols medal tally at the end for how much that uh, actual Jack Martin gets by the end because what he's been able to do and play his role, whether it's been, okay, it's actually not goals right now. It's the defensive pressure and work rate that is required. He does that. But then when you need him to do something positively as far as kicking goals, he seems to be the guy to get it done. Those are kind of those spark players forward. A name that I'd love to throw up as, as someone a bit interesting is maybe your man, Pom Cotter, because you just know he's going to play for the big moments. And I can just see him all of a sudden, the game's tight and he just bursts through the middle, massive run through the guts and whether he delivers it from 60 and, and hits Charlie on the tit or whether he goes the full way and gets it himself. I just feel like there's something magic from Ching Cotter on the way. He's just one of those players that it's, it's that energy. These we have so many of these players that seem to thrive in those big moments, thrive with the energy of a game, and yeah, it excites me so much. 
I think Pom got a got a chance. Definitely, yeah. I think if you go through the great sides, um, of, like you go to Richmond twenty seventeen, they had a lot of players that might not be the best players on the ground, mm. but players that can rise, rise, rise those around them. Like you look at Dan Butler, that finals campaign yeah. it was sensational. You look at Dan Rioli, the young he was a young kid then, but he had his moments of X factor. Um, Cam McIntosh had them moments where he could just burst through a pack and he's not someone that you'd say is a great footballer. They, they, Jack Graham had a great yeah. year as well in that finals campaign. I feel like Carlton have got them players that it's them moments, isn't it? And it, could, mm. it might not even be a goal. I could see yeah. Tim Cotter, someone beats Nick Newman, running towards goal and out of nowhere, Tim Cotter pins him, holding the ball. Saves sa- saving tackle, and it's them moments like you know Chinkot's mm. built for that he's going to put his body on the line. So good shout! We always think goal kickers, we never think defenders. Yeah. Uh, it's exciting. Well, who knows? Jack Martin was tackling two blokes for the other week, so he's probably <laughs> going to have that as well. Uh, we've got probably the last question here from Zainab. Who this is a great one, and I know we're going to eventually touch on this in great detail on your YouTube channel, Pommy and Oz, on the selection table when we're gearing up towards the Sydney game where we, we if, if those of you don't know, the great man Pommy has a great YouTube channel. If you're not already subscribed, head over there. It's great Carlton content. It's great AFL content. But a few of us get together and we go through the team that we want to play on the week and then it's interactive we get to save a player you guys in the comments live on youtube wednesdays 7 p.m you get to select the team with us and we get to all together come with it and select our best 22 for the week so that'll be exciting come finals time the first ever final selection table but the question from zainab is who are your ins who are your outs for the sydney game right now i'm keen to hear we can brainstorm a little bit together for a bit of a preview of the selection table Oh, Jesus. Um, okay, Durden out for Motlop. Yep. Uh, Are you pulling the trigger on a Boyd for Fisher? Uh, Doc for Fisher. I've got to get him in. <laughs> uh, Crips, the chat are going to hate me. Dow out. Yeah. Uh, mm. Dow to sub. And I've got all my boys back. There mm. we are. Yeah. I've done it. <sighs> yeah, I don't know. I originally oh, had wow. Pitt. I originally had Pitt in, but I think I'm going to take him out, which ruins everything. To be honest. Um. Oh God. Yeah. I don't know. I definitely want Crips in. I want Doc in. I think you're going to see Marchie make way. I think Dow probably ends up moving towards the sub. I definitely want the the Durden for Mot- Motlop in for Durden change. Oh God, I just don't know who truly makes way. If you if you want Boyd in there for Fisher, I think I might pull the trigger. It's so difficult without the VFL football. You don't get to see what's going on. You don't know if you if throwing in Boyd with just training is going to be enough. Ah, oh, but it's hard. Let me know in the comments if you're on YouTube. Drop your teams. Keen to hear right now. We'll get a bit of a discussion going. Um, if you're listening in podcast form, head over to the socials at Navy Blue Corner. Let me know your changes. Who's coming in? But more importantly, who's coming out? Because you can't just say Cripper and Docker in. You need to make way. Is Dow going to be the sacrificial lamb or does he stay? It's going to be an exciting one to find out. Um, last thing I want to end on is the All Australian team. 
because oh. they released the 44-man squad. Charlie, Cripps, and Weeders get in. Couple of big omissions. No Newman. No Chera as a possibility of breaking into this squad. What did you make of the three selections into the first squad? Um, the omissions, and who do you think will eventually make it for us? It was it, it, it was um, a surprise. I suppose Cripps is the elephant in the room, isn't yeah. he? Um, I mean, Very surprising. Which I think... I, I understand people saying Chera is the best mid at Carlton. Mm. I will say Cripps' redevelopment of his role, though, has been nothing short of sensational mm. because I would say a lot of these players are having career best years in the last nine weeks because of him. And mm. he might not be the dominant player, but I think he's a dominant piece of the puzzle. So I, I think that's maybe a recognition from them for how hard he's worked without the ball. Um, so I'll say that. Uh, Chera Stiff, Nick Newman. I had to check all my reviews this year to make sure I haven't been commenting on the tennis because I've mentioned Nick Newman a lot because I only assume Nick Newman, they didn't know he played football because <laughs> I will say this and I know Collingwood fans will listen to this and opposition fans will because they have no content worth listening to other than Galton content. Um, but Nick Newman and Nick Dacos are the best halfbacks in the country by a long way. Mm. And it's not even close. And I know people will go, Oh, but Pom, Jack Sinclair's all right. Can't defend, though, can he? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, like, I would take, if you said to me, I had two picks for halfbacks mm. for this year's form, Newman, and it's mm. Mr. Dacos. Shadow it up. So how Nick Newman's not in there, Yeah, beyond me, being best player. And we are in, third time lucky to be All-Australian, because I don't know how he's not a three-time all Australian, but the fact Sam Taylor isn't mm. in the team, who, in my opinion, I'd say Darcy Moore, you'd have to cheat and put him in the back pocket. But I would. I had Taylor as my number. It was my first like defender yes. on the team sheet. I couldn't I, believe it. <laughs> I would say Taylor and Wheatering are one and two as mm. the key defenders in the league at the yeah. moment. Like, so yeah, I find it bizarre. Like, mm. but then again, I reckon Body the committee doesn't watch football. No. Well, they had a bit of me time on, on Fox footy. They had to get the cameras in. Oh, it's it's a strong decision. I'm, I'm making my argument. Like, get off it. Just sit in your room, make the decision, get the cameras out of here. But no, it's, it's interesting. It's, yeah. oh, so, it's horrific. Horrific. I, I watched it and I was thinking, I can't believe they're trying to formulate arguments when one of the best key defenders isn't even named in the 40. Yeah. Like, your arguments after that are null and void that you've forgotten mm. him. Like, that's a crime that Sam Taylor it's, isn't in there. Crime. It happens every year, literally, where I feel like as a collective, every year, 100% of the people go, how did that guy not make it? Like, there's one guy that clearly deserves it over others. We can speculate over a few picks, but they seem to always miss the most obvious ones. And Newman, very, very stiff. I could, I could understand him not making the team because the media haven't talked about him all year, but... The fact it didn't even make the squad, I thought, was was baffling and, and chair is stiff as well. But, yeah, I'm hoping Weeder's first half of the year doesn't rob him because he's been robbed the last few years not making it. And surely the body of work now just allows him to 
make up for it this season because second half of the year, he's been the number one key defender. So he absolutely deserves it. Um, I, I said this would be the last thing, but I've actually forgotten an integral part. We're talking about integrity, about yeah. the All-Australian. I've almost forgotten the votes for this game, which I need to tally up because I haven't confirmed with Lockie whether we're doing finals votes and adding that on or whether we're going to have a finals MVP instead. But I do need the votes regardless for round 24 to keep the integrity of the Navy Blue Corner medal intact. So I will ask for a 3 two, one from you, Pom. Who you thought was best on who have you given your votes to? Because it's a tough one. It's always tough in a loss. And if you're watching this, drop your votes in the comments on YouTube and let us know at Navy Blue Corner. Very interested to hear who you thought should get the chocolates in this one. Pom, your three, your two, and your one, if you've got them. Uh, no, I, I threw you completely three, on the spot. <laughs> that's all right. And um, three votes for me, Jacob Wheatley, and I thought he was sensational. And we're going yep. to find out if the All Australian tells the truth because they reckon the Nick Larkey goals late in the year cost him a place. So it should be flipped this year because his last three games have been sensational. Mm. Um, two votes we're going to give to Charlie Kerner. I think it's hard not to give two votes to a man that secures the Coleman in five-minute spurts and uh, gets the crowd going. And I'm going to surprise the world. I'm going to give one vote to Paddy Dow. Um, I feel like a game of that calibre um, with no mature support or fit support deserves a mention. Mm. Um, I thought he was very mature in his, his role. No, I love those votes. I wanted to give Ollie Hollands a vote so bad. But I just wasn't able to fit him in. I feel like you've you've seamlessly gone into the Lockie role here because we've got identical votes because I've gone the exact same. I just thought Weeders was a monster down in the defense, does everything right. Charlie finishes the game for Carlton. When we were playing, he was by far the best player. As soon as we gave up, he was still good because it's Charlie. Gets the Coleman, give him two. And then I thought, yeah, Dow was the best of our midfield. He's fighting for a spot and he's doing everything he can. I thought he deserved the one. And I, I'm so excited to tally up the votes and see where we're at and confirm with Lockie whether we'll be announcing the winner or, or tacking on the finals votes. It's going to be very, very exciting. But, Pom, thanks so much for joining me. It's been an absolute blast. I've enjoyed it so much. Thanks for filling in. Sorry it was a loss again. I feel like I'm just going to have to do this every time. There's not going to be too many losses for the next 10 years, but every time we have one, I might have to invite you along. Pommy, what are you up to for this week and for finals? And where can the people find you? Um, well, I mean... I will be finishing off the redecoration, the renovation. Uh, you've got a sheet there hiding the renovation. <laughs> um, we will be back. I believe we're doing selection table, a final special this mm. week. I do think we've arranged for Thursday, 8 o'clock. I will confirm with the boys and boss because we're going to have some beers and chat some rubbish with you. Um, there'll be a lot of content coming. Draft content is upcoming um, for those interested as well. We've got some interviews with some draftees. Um, some mock drafts, the full thing. Ian will be involved in recreating the draft like we did last year as well, live and in interactive. And Pom in Oz, Pommy in Oz, all the socials, you type me in. Um, I think there's only one person who's stolen that handle when he's a Liverpool fan, so you'll instantly realise <laughs> that this is the wrong football. So, yeah, come and say hi. Um, we don't bite, and if not, you'll see me on Blue Abroad. 
Absolutely love it, mate. Links to everything Pommy related will be in the show notes, will be in the description. So if you can't be bothered typing it out, you can just copy paste. I'll make it that easy for you. So there's no excuses not to follow this man, not to subscribe. But no, thanks, Pommy. Thanks again. God, I've never been so positive after a loss. Who genuinely cares? The Blues are playing finals footy. We're going to batter Sydney. There's going to be plenty of finals content. Lockie, I know a lot of fans aren't happy, but he's going to be back in Australia, I believe, this Thursday for finals. Plenty of content. Stick around. There's going to be a lot of fun. Up the bloody baggers. See you guys next time. God bless.